Global Eco Energy sell and install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers. With access to a wide range of renewable energy products, including solar PV, battery storage, air source heat pumps and eco-garden makeovers, we offer a bespoke service tailored to your exact needs. For a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options, go to global-eco.co.uk. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. For great customer service and a free home survey, call 0800 233 5788. Let's go! Well, the ref was Dutch. Uh, we'd all have loved to hear an explanation about that Scott McTominay goal in Seville, which was wiped out. Although uh, that explanation might have been double Dutch, I imagine. It wasn't the greatest uh, exhibition of refereeing you've seen in your life. And uh, that's going to be one big talking point for us tonight off the back of Spain to Scotland nil. What about the goal that never was? Well, he changed that in-game, which is a frustrating thing. Which shows it's not clear, uh, uh, clear and obvious. I don't know if clear and obvious is a European VAR thing, but at the mo- at that moment, Jack makes a decision to step the other side, which he could probably stay. Maybe he could stay. Is he going to save it? Absolutely no chance. No goalkeeper in the world is going to save that. However, he's saying at one point it's a foul. He then changes it because he realises it isn't a foul to offside. So um, it's a big, big moment and. That qualifies us, that goal. Uh, they need to score two goals. So it is a bit of a hammer blow, it's tough to take. Feel for Big Scotty. Um, but sometimes these things go for you, and tonight that was never going to go for us. Stephen McGinn, do you recognise that voice? Yeah, he's, I can sense the frustration in his voice because I think he's like us. They really suffered, especially the first 20 minutes. They really had to dig deep to um, keep Spain out. But they grew in the game without playing particularly well. Um, and in half time, as, as a fan, you're there's not there's no lots of goals in this Spain team as we've seen with the last tournament. If we can maybe get a set piece, the set piece comes, we score. Um, you think you're one 0 up, it gets disallowed, and then it, it, it changed the momentum of the game. I wonder where we're going with football celebrations when you see there's been two major incidents in the last few weeks for our teams. Scotland the other night, the way they celebrated, I think about uh, half the team went in different directions last night celebrating. Uh, Lewis Palmer when he scored for Celtic. The top was off. The, the 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 come down from that when the goal's not given, it, it must affect the, the players. So um, that's that's where we're at with VAR. We are, we are thinking should we really be over celebrating big moments until it's it's actually given. It's Stephen McGinn tonight on the Go Radio Football Show, and it's Barry Ferguson as well. Um, I imagine that decision might have had you jumping off the couch watching it last night, Barry. Although with the two days after the knee operation, maybe jumping off the couch wasn't a great idea. But what what did you think about that uh, that decision and how, how it came about last night? Well, I think first and foremost, John McGinn summed it up perfectly. Um, frustrating um, when the referee clearly gives it for a foul, which it was never a foul in, in a million years. Um, and then five minutes later, they decide it's um, for offside. Um, which I think at that stage in the game, I think Spain were becoming, to, becoming sorry, to, to be frustrated because we were obviously sitting deep and and obviously um, shutting off the, the areas for them. And then obviously it makes Spain that bit um, angrier. The fans then get a lift and then obviously Spain step it up a bit. And at the end, listen, I, I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to win the game, Spain, because they were obviously they were... They were very good in terms of possession, but I thought just the, the refereeing decision was an absolute mess. And I was all for that, if I'm being honest with you, mm. Rob. Um, but 
the more I'm seeing it and the more mistakes it's making we need to get rid of it we do Is that a goal that would have stood at Hamden? Scotland against Spain at Hamden would that have been a different story do you think rather than the ref thinking am I going to give that in Seville? Yeah I mean it's just there's so many ways different things you, you can point to firstly I don't think the goal, goalkeeper's saving it if Jack Henry no. doesn't get involved and I think after it I mean sometimes over the last few years with Austin McPhee as a set piece coach we've, we've targeted goalkeepers they've been the, the player that's in front of the goalkeepers he has been asked to ruffle up the goalkeepers at times asked last night was Jack Henry maybe to give him a wee nudge he wasn't I think he's maybe just I don't know he's got caught up in the moment because McTominay's free kick it reminded me of Tony Cruz's famous goal for Germany where you're just, you could put any goalkeeper in there mm. and he's not saving it. And as John said, it's such a big moment for Scott. Just, and I think I think if you give the offside immediately, if it's for offside and it's given, it's really hard to, you are, you are thinking, right, well, it's a bit stupid from Jack Henry, shouldn't get involved, it's, it is offside. The goalkeeper's not really claiming for it, but that's what VR's for. We would love to have what Liverpool got, with the audios, audios released. Mm. and find out what happened have they spoke about look you've gave the free uh, for a free kick but it's actually offside you need to change that decision where is all the communication for that mm. well that's the thing isn't it you're if you're at the ground the Tartan Army who were, who were in there at Seville last night um, everywhere watching it you just don't know you're guessing at, at how that decision making process has Let gone them. and it all and it all happened really quickly I mean I know that people were saying last night well you know Jack Henry should have just stayed away from the goalkeeper and then it just sails into the top corner but when you're Jack Hendry and you're up for a set piece and it's whistling in at a rate of knots from Scott McTominay it's a split second isn't it it's diffi- yeah. difficult to persuade yourself to step away from the Rob, goalkeeper there's always going to be slight contact in the box anyway That that's what happens when there's free kicks or corners that's just part and parcel of football um, and there's hardly any contact on the goalkeeper and if you look at the Spanish goalkeeper and you look at the Spanish players not one of them are no. complaining at the time that um, McTominay's free kick hits the back, uh, back of the net um, can you argue was it offside I, I, I don't know the angles that I've seen I can't really tell but in terms of the referee first and foremost he gave it for a foul and it was never a foul and then they decided to change their mind five or ten minutes um, into the game which is really frustrating because I just thought at that stage in the game listen Spain had a lot of possession listen they were creating a few chances we rode their luck a few times there's no doubt about that but I, I just got the feeling that they were becoming frustrated they made a few changes because obviously this, the Spanish manager wasn't too happy with the amount of chances were creating and I just felt at that stage where when we get that goal I think um, we would have come away with the win there was no doubt about it because I think that would have sank Spain I mean, I think it was offside. I mean, I think the lines, you know, once you put the lines in, I mean, that, that's kind of factual. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, it, it, you know, you're still not convinced. I know what you mean mm-hmm. visually looking at it. But, you know, I think when they put the lines in and they say that his shoulder's offside or whatever, mm-hmm. then, okay, you, you can go with that. Then the point is, are you influencing, are you having an influence in that situation? Because the goalkeeper w- was moving in the other direction. He, he would have had to be moving really quickly the other way to have had any chance of getting a hand on that. Yeah. Um, initially, I mean, the setup for it, you can only put yourself in the shoes of the defensive team because of the angle, the amount of teams managers I've played in had where they would say, just set it up like a corner mm-hmm. when you have someone on the post. So, in, in fairness to Jack Hendry, you're probably, the last thing you're thinking about there is maybe McTominay shooting and being offside. Um, and I think the goalkeeper's made such a feeble attempt mm. to try and keep it out that's almost 
Um, I mean, if he does make an attempt, Jack Hendry is going to block him, so you can't really say it's not offside. But the frustration that it does come with one, there's no way the goalkeeper's ever saving it, and two, the offside isn't given initially. Mm-hmm. Barry, well, Barry mentioned the body language. Um, I mean, we all look at body language. You know, you you especially, you know, being um, players, ex-players, um, players, ex-players, player, ex-player. Yeah, uh, but. Do, do, do referees and officials not look at body language and, and exactly what you said Barry that the goalkeeper has not made any move towards the referee to say I've just been fouled or I've been interfered with in terms of the flight of the ball that's the first thing I look at Rob when Scott McTominay's free kick hits the back of the net and you're thinking wow I mean a brilliant free kick the pace on the ball was, was unbelievable and the first thing I look at is is it going to stand? Because I, I then look at the Spanish goalkeeper, I look at the players who are round about that ball at that time, and their heads all went down and they started to walk away from the, the mm-hmm. obviously, the, the celebrations the Scotland players were having. So for me, I didn't think um, they had any issues with it. Um, obviously the referee did, VAR did, obviously he goes and he comes back out. And The thing that annoys me and frustrates me is it was given as a foul. Rob mm-hmm. and then they decide to change their mind five minutes that's a shambles yeah, isn't it an absolute shambles um, and I feel for the Scotland players because at that stage they're going crazy Stephen just mentioned McTominay goes away over to the camera you see all the players with the staff they're celebrating mm-hmm. they go for an almighty high to a, a, a massive low um, and then obviously the crowd then get a lift and then that obviously makes Spain that bit more angrier and then obviously they, they step it up a bit it's almost like a penalty save. Mm-hmm. You're almost, I mean, you have conceded. When you, when you give away a penalty, you have hope that your goalkeeper can produce one. But in your head, you're thinking already the goal's going to go in. You're already one down, for example. Mm. It's almost becoming like that. Spain gets such a lift from it because yeah. they were, as Barry said, they were, they were going nowhere. They were, we spoke last night about making the game where it's just boring. Scotland players are going side to side and Spain are trying to get to a thousand passes without ever really hurting your goal in the second half. But, all of a sudden it hit them up a few gears and I think if the goal's given I, um, I think the Spain players watching the game back later and a couple of them might come out the manager might come out and say that's oh, offside should never have been given but I think later on in their, their team their roommates they said, how soft was the goalkeeper there he's got to do better there and maybe if he makes a proper attempt to come and get it then we can maybe argue for offside but he's, he's not nearly done enough to, to, try, and, to try and save it and, and what a goal and when you do analyse the game, uh, you know you do see that Spain had lots of it. They were unlucky, weren't they? They could have scored in the first minute. Ferran Torres, they, they hit the inside of the post. Um, they, they, they had lots in the game. But, as Stephen says, that, that goal lifts Spain at a point you know, where, where they were wondering if they were going to go a goal down. And, and you just wonder, Barry, what, what, what effect, that if the goal had stood... It obviously would love Scotland but it would have really deflated Spain especially off the back of having lost at Hamden I think they would have gone Rob yeah. I'm being honest with you listen you've got to ride your luck at times when you're coming up against top quality opposition as you mentioned there they had a great chance the first minute they have one off the inside of the post they created a number of other chances but I just looked at Scotland I thought they looked really solid and compact and that's the idea I think that Stevie Clark had to go there and frustrate them and as the game went on if you're at nothing each then hopefully you get that opportunity whether it's from a set piece or, or open play and we got that opportunity and we, we get that goal and I just thought at that moment we scored that goal and if it stood they were in trouble Spain there was, there was no doubt we would have automatically qualified last night no doubt in my mind about that 
We heard from John McGinn. Can I just say, it's um, yeah. VAR is completely ruining the game now. Is it VAR? But when you say VAR, I mean, it's, but it's, the, it's, the, guys that, but it's the guys that are yeah, making the... Yeah, you know, because because what, what you've got with VAR is extra pictures and the chance to review stuff and the chance to get things right. Mm-hmm. But, but, it, but it's, it's subjective, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about the individuals who are watching it, making those decisions and communicating with the ref. It's that, all that interplay that's going horribly yeah, wrong. And I think we should go down the route uh, it's, for me, it's going. To, it's here to stay, Rob. No doubt. Go down mm. the rugby lo- uh, route. Yeah, you can hear every bit of communication. That's what we need. Yeah, yeah. And and if it's and if it's embarrassing, chat. If it embarrasses the people in VAR, as as recent clips of audio have done, then that's that puts a bit of pressure on them to perform, doesn't it? Which is the way it should be. I mean, on the subject of VR, I, I, I came across a clip today from a game that I'd never seen before. 30 years ago, it was an England versus Holland game. And Ronald Koeman, the last man, brings down an England player. And he gets given a yellow card. And it's a famous clip, I think, of Graham Taylor coming out and screaming, it's got to be a red card. Mm. That's the type of incident the VR's meant to make the game better. That goes to VR and they say, oh, no, you're wrong there. That's a red card. We are bringing it back for... I mean, I, I, I'm going to games now and are bringing it back to look at things in slow motion, look like... They, they probably do look like fouls, but in real match speed mm-hmm. during the game, that's not a foul. It's not a dangerous play. And then you're watching back in slow motion and the guy just about catches the player on the shin. See the amount of times you walk off a game after a Saturday and your legs are black and blue when, without VAR? Because it's a contact sport. You get caught. Players make brilliant tackles on you, but they catch you. It's, it's part of it. But if you slow every tackle down, a lot of them are going to look like red cards. And... Yeah, I'm, I'm probably starting to go with Barry. I, I fully expect it not to go anywhere, but I do think the, the the guys running it, the referees are having far too much influence in games. They're having more influence in, than match winners and teams now. They're just uh, they're deciding results. And the decision, so on the one side of the coin, it gives Spain a massive lift. On the other side, Scotland are in heaven on the back of that goal. Mm. They're into full celebration mode, as you said, Barry. They're down the touchline. The staff are joining in and all the rest of it. And then suddenly, bang, the goal doesn't count. What does that do to a team? Yeah, you, you could see you, they obviously go for a massive high. Because, listen, they've, they've worked so hard during the game. Obviously, the heat, 30-odd degrees. You're coming up against a top team who genuinely keep the ball for fun. So you've, you need to be really organised and that's one thing that the Scotland team were last night. And then listen, it just goes to pot after that. It's in terms of you, you, they, they get a bit more angrier. They, they, as I said, the crowd get lifted. They start to put major pressure on us. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to argue. They deserve to win Spain. I think that goal would have made a difference. But we're still going to Germany. I have no doubt in my mind no. about that. We're, we're still going to be there. And one thing about this, this Scotland team is over the, the, the Stevie Clark era. I've enjoyed the way they play, but when they come up against top teams, the way they're organised, Rob, yeah. they, they put everything, they put their bodies on the line, they, they work so hard, individually and collectively. Um, and when we go to Germany, if we get the luck of the draw, we could be in pot one, I don't know. Who knows with the, 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 the draw when it comes out. But we have got every chance, if we when we go to Germany, we can get out of that group as well. Not, not pot one if we keep arranging friendlies against England and then France no. away. But do you know what? See, see in terms of arranging like the friendlies, mm. England and France, I love seeing that. You're coming up against quality teams. They're testing themselves every single time. Do you like friendlies? Um, do I, do I like, it gives an opportunity for probably the manager to have a look at other players that have not had much game time. Mm. Um, but 
I don't mind when you're coming up against the quality of opposition. Like the, I know it was our 150th anniversary against England, but we're coming up against France, who, let's be honest, have got some top quality players and we're testing ourselves every single game. Um, so was the England game worth it? Did you see benefits from that? Yeah, because I, I don't think we're at a level where we all maybe thought we were. But I don't think we're, we're too far away, Rob. Look, England for the first 45 minutes, I've got to be honest with you, were, were unplayable. They were. They were, a, they were a joy to watch. We come back into it in the second half, no doubt about it. We're still no at that level yet, but do you know what, what we're getting there? It's a, a work in progress, but you can see this team have grew so much under this this manager. And also, when you look at the starting lineup, you've got a few players missing. You've got Kieran Tierney, who's a massive influence. Andy Robertson comes off injured, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, he's got a, looks to me if he's got a serious shoulder injury. And then you still look at the bench. You've got your Billy Gilmers, etc., etc. So it's a it's a really strong squad. Um, and listen, they'll be hurting for last night, but I've no doubt in my mind this this squad will certainly be going to Germany. Is there is there a danger, Stephen, that these friendlies can drag you down? Um, the England game, England won pretty comprehensively in the end. You'd have to say. The Spain game last night, it, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a. Maybe we shouldn't be too surprised about it, but it, but it's a defeat. If Scotland lose in Lille on Tuesday to France, can that be a problem for Scotland in the midst of this? Try to get this qualifying job done. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an opportunity for guys to play, but I do think England in a friendly, which was a bit of a sobering night in terms of they they played really well. Um, we then go to Spain in the circumstances we could have won that game if we win that game the France game's brilliant but all of a sudden a team that's had such a good campaign I mean that was our first drop points last night such a good campaign faces the prospect of maybe losing three in the bounce mm-hmm. and we haven't deserved that for the year we've had but just just while it's fresh to drag up that goal not goal again and then as soon as the goal's overturned my cameras flashed to Steve Clark and Steve Clark's trying to say please stay calm stay calm because even that, I mean, I mean, I listened to John's interview after the game, and he's rattled a wee bit emotionally. He's rattled a bit by the decision that the the goal would they have won, would they have qualified, they did, they'd won everything that would have came with that. And a big part of the game plan last night was about staying in control, staying calm. And for a long spell leading up to the McTominay goal, Scotland hadn't um, let a cross come in the box. Really, I mean, they were defending. Um, really well, really organised, so compact as we say, passing in front, all of a sudden they let a cross come into the box quite easily, Jack Henry takes his eye off the ball and a guy like Marata is going to punish you and you just think right away where they're a wee bit rattled for a team that needs to be in total co- control emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say quickly, yep. in terms of like these last couple of games, Rob, England, they are a top team, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves on, Spain, they're a top team. I don't think it will have an impact on this group. I think you're you're be, not worried about three defeats no, on the bounce, I, no, potentially. No, I think they'll be hurting, no doubt. But I think they're mentally tough, this group. I do. I don't think it will impact um, on them one single bit. It's Scotland-France and Lille on Tuesday night. By then, uh, of course, Scotland could be qualified. The job could be done on Sunday night uh, in the course of that Norway-Spain match. Just a point required and Scotland uh, with two more games to go. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. Design your bespoke solar PV system and meet your energy needs with no upfront costs. Let's go! So last night in Seville, it could have happened. It looked like it was going to happen. Uh, 73 minutes, it was still nil-nil between Spain and Scotland. 
uh, until Morata uh, escaped the Scottish defence and nodded in the cross uh, wasn't stopped the header wasn't stopped and uh, that was Scotland one down they conceded again and of course 2-0 cancels out 2-0 at Hamden in favour of uh, Scotland it means that Spain and Scotland are level on the head-to-head um, and things could get pretty tight uh, towards the end of the qualification uh, campaign. Scotland still in with a, a live chance of uh, topping the group. Uh, we're, we're looking to just get qualification clinched, Barry, at the moment. Um, what are the chances of Scotland finishing top of Group A? Every chance. Yeah, that, that's the way you've, you've got to believe. Um, listen, they've got two games to go. Um, I think Spain play Norway. Isn't it, Rob? No, yeah, in Oslo. Yeah, yep. in Oslo on Sunday. Um, that'll be a tough game. Mm. Um, so we'll just need to see how that result goes. But I still believe that this team is capable of winning the last two games and, and topping the group. Stephen? Um, well, I'd quite like Spain just to win on Sunday. They'll yeah. um, enjoy the, the last two games. So if that means that Spain win on Sunday and they top the group, then good luck to them. Yeah. It's a second... I think Rodres maybe said that, uh, or Marata maybe said that last night, first and second, it doesn't show who finished where when you get to the Euros, it's just you're at the Euros, so a Spain winning Sunday for me please. I couldn't help but smiling at the Rodri interview uh, last night, suddenly he had massive respect for Scotland and uh, and it was his English, he was, he was actually speaking perfect English <laughs> at the time, <laughs> yeah, better, better than the English any, any <laughs> of the three of us could come up with uh, and he was explaining how he was misinterpreted and he didn't really mean what he said last time. Yeah, I just think it was sure grapes, listen, mm. the, the last game at Hamden, we deserve to win, uh, listen, we we're a bit rough at times, but that's the Scottish way. You get in their faces, you, you make it uncomfortable for them. Um, but on that night, we deserved. I just think he was angry and frustrated. and um, He backtracked last night and fair play to him because um, he's a top player, Rodri. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could watch him um, all day long, uh, no doubt about it. And I think... Do you think his ego was dented a bit at Hamden? 100%, no, no doubt about it. But I think last night you've seen the respect, that, um, not just Rodri, I, I think the Spanish players, the Spanish fans, the Spanish management know that um, the Scotland team um, are no easy turnovers. They're, listen, there's real good football players that are playing at a high level, Rob. And last night, listen, it was tough at times because they had the vast majority of possession, 70-odd percent. But what I liked about it is, is um, every single player in that team knew their roles and responsibilities last night. We heard from John McGinn right at the top of the show um, about the Scott McTominay goal that uh, ended up not being given after a bit of a, a VAR panto. Uh, here's the, the manager on uh, VAR. Well, at the time, you think it's a goal. Uh, you know, when the referee gets told to look at it, they're probably going to chuck it off. They've made the call, so there's no, there's no point in going on and on about it. If you look at what they've called it. I think there was a little bit of confusion at the time whether it was offside or whether it was for a foul on the goalkeeper. I think if you put those two together, Scott was, uh, Jack Henry was marginally offside and then I think when he steps towards the goalkeeper, they've interpreted that as Jack then becoming involved in the play. But I'll tell you now, there's no way in the world the goalkeeper was saving that no matter where Jack Henry was. You just move on, it's a VAR goal that goes against you. It's a VAR decision that goes against you. You just have to move on. And at that, t- that stage in the game, we were, we were fine, we were in the game fine. I, obviously, when we concede, it makes it more difficult. The second goal puts a little bit of gloss on it for Spain that I'm not sure they deserved. And we had some good chances. I'm not sure why the VAR decision or on the push at the end was glossed over so quickly. Because if you look at it back, it was a push in the back. 
maybe they could have looked at that penalty decision a little bit longer, but listen, it's what it is. Stevie Clark says there's no point in going on and on about it, but I think we probably will, uh, because this is the Go Radio Football Show with Robin Klein, Barry Ferguson and Stephen McGinn. What about the, the challenge on your brother at the edge of the box? Uh, I mean, how could that ever not be a foul? I think that was where the frustration comes from over the night. It, it did seem to, that the 50-50 decisions, I mean, that, that was more than a 90-10, I think, to, yeah. to Scotland, in such a dangerous position. I think the players felt that they were getting... I mean, they weren't getting the decisions. Cause it was such a, a, it was a horrible start to the game. It was really, I mean, they were trying to strangle us out out the match. And if they'd get the goal at any point, it would have been game over for us. But we managed to get through it, and we were starting to grow into the game a bit. And you're getting a free kick outside the box. We see what McTominay did from out wide, in more central position. Nobody in front of the goalie to fake foul him. Um, could he have scored from there? So yeah, it was just it was probably. I mean, we are going to qualify. But it is a bit of a missed opportunity. When you think of some great Scotland nights, some special goals, obviously James McFadden's pops up, but Don Hutchison scored quite a famous goal in a win at, at Germany. And, in Bremen, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's Scott McTominay has been robbed of that special moment that remembered for generations. Yeah, what a what a goal. Uh, what a goal it was, but of course it uh, it will never feature in the history books. Uh, I don't have uh, younger brother John down as um, a candidate for the diplomatic corps, but he was certainly uh, trying his best when he was talking about the uh, the refereeing and the officiating last night. Um, you need to be very careful what you say. I think everyone watching that game tonight, from a Scotland point of view, whether you were on the pitch, whether you were in the stand, whether you were in the dugout, it just felt like. I just felt we were to get a decision. 50-50 uh, balls, uh, going for fair challenges, not getting them. So it made it extremely difficult against a, a world-class team to, to try and get in for the game. So I think the stats will show that they had a lot of the ball, a lot better chances, but um, you need a perfect performance here to win um, and everything to align. And um, tonight it was just never going to happen. We, we <laughs> that was it. Referees here, Barry, get a lot of stick in our... A domestic game and, and, and rightly so when, when they don't get it right uh, in the top league especially that was a top game last night that was a that was a massive match which deserved a top referee didn't it did it, did it have a top referee no he had a nightmare he, he, he did go on John's uh, John McGinn's instant at the, the edge of the box it's a clear body check it's a foul yeah. uh, and that's one of the, the things that I'm sure the, the, the Scotland manager Stevie Clark would have spoke about we get fouls round about the box I've obviously got they work on that quite a bit mm-hmm. on set pieces so Austin McPhee's the, the set piece yeah, man set piece man yeah and you can tell when there's set pieces whether that's 20 yards for goal 40 yards for goal you can see there's a, a clear setup in every single set piece but yep I thought the referee last night um, yeah it was poor that's Plain and simple, Robert. I thought he had a real poor game, and I thought most of the decisions. And I'm not just saying that as a Scotland supporter, but most of the decisions went for the, the Spanish team. You just want the decisions to be right, don't you? <laughs> you just want them to be right from a from a, a a football point of view. And Scotland had enough on their plate last night trying to beat one of the top teams in the world. You don't want to be fighting against the referee as well. No, I, I mean it did. Barry said it did have a nightmare and. Did it make it a comfier night for him to have a nightmare by just favouring the home team? Um, we'll never know, but it, it did. It seemed like a wee bit like that. Um, he just couldn't. From from early on, he made a he made a bad decision and it just seemed to get worse. And I'm not sure about the assessor. How I mean, if what the fallout from that is, if mm. they judge that to be, he's made the right decision with the goal. But anyone that's 
played football. I mean, I think Barry said that you can tell by the reaction that they've got a wee one with Spain have. We'll check the fixtures coming up. He could be doing Pharaohs against Liechtenstein, uh, you would imagine, uh, in the next round of games. What about the two chances for, for Che Adams to score? Were they half chances, Barry, or were they full-blown opportunities? Uh, no, uh, you, you would expect your number nine or centre-forward who's on the pitch at that time to at least take one of them. Um, the one with Hickey's come inside he's no struck it well um, he's put his, his right foot I just think that's a, an instinctive striker listen Shea Adams listen he does a brilliant job for Scotland every time mm. he's on that pitch he works ever so hard has he shaded off? I just don't think he's an out and out goal scorer Rob right. that's but, I mean he did a great strike rate initially for Scotland yeah, didn't he? yeah he did but that, that's probably if you look at the Scotland team that's one thing that we're probably lacking is that a, a guy that you could probably put your hat on that's going to score a goal every every second game even um, and listen Lyndon Dykes and, and Shea Adams I've got to be honest with you they've done terrific stuff over the last um, number of years since Stevie Clarks took over um, I just think that's the only team if you look at the Scotland team when you look at the starting lineup last night or previous games or you look at the squad that's the one thing that we do lack is a genuine out and out goal scorer you don't mind where the goals come from. Obviously, uh, John McGinn uh, has been scoring for fun for a, for a good long time now. More recently, Scott McTominay has just gone completely daft uh, in terms of scoring goals and unlucky not to add to his tally last night. But you do want your strikers to be a goal threat, don't you? That's their job, Stephen. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the second one especially, I think she Adams has got to do better. I think a game of that uh, magnitude away to Spain you explain know, what the second one was the second one when Anne Hickey hits a shot right. and she Adams almost directed it into the goalkeeper's arms but you think at that, at that that level you've got to be taking that chance but I just think for the evolution of this team for it to go to the next level and start to compete with these teams um, I think I mean potentially going into the next double header could we be without um, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson who this formation is kind of designed for mm-hmm. we could be without them um, I think we need some pace in the team. I think we need a ball carrier. Uh, I think we need an option to go to the four at the back because we don't have that in a minute. We don't have wingers. I would you know. would you rip up the 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 back three or the back five when Tierney's not around? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it. I mean, they've, they've they've nailed it in terms of the everyone knows a job within it, which is such a good thing to have. It. It's an amazing thing in the team and everyone. You know everyone's roles within the team. If you if you're on the bench, you know who's doing their job properly and who's not because it's so I mean the game plan everything the shape everything about it it's nailed but I think for another string in your bow I think when you play teams like I remember the Croatia game and it was very early on in the game Luka Modric and Kovacic identified that the Scotland wingbacks were having to come out to the Croatia fullbacks and for about 20 minutes in the game all Modric did was he got it off one fullback switched it out to the other one Scotland have to keep moving they keep pressing up and eventually they picked us off and I remember thinking, we can't really change. We don't have wide players. Um, and I think, I don't know the situation with Ben Doak, whether Steve Clark thinks he's ready or not, but we, we don't have a lot of options, but we just, I feel as if we need in games like last night, someone that can just get, give, give the other team a fright, give Spain a, a fright so they can't just keep us pushed in and we can counter-attack. And I think that is the evolution of the, the, the Scotland team to maybe go a 4-5-1 at times. Yeah, where you have that pace in the attack what do you think Barry uh, a back four uh, for Scotland without Tierney first and foremost he's a huge miss yeah uh, 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 listen I don't care what anybody says he's one of the most important if not the most important Scotland player 
Kieran Tierney. And teams are frightened of him. Opposition yeah, teams I, are frightened listen, of him. When he plays that lefty a, a three, the way that him and Andy Robertson operate with each other, sometimes Kieran Tierney's away doing crossing balls in at the, the, the byline. Uh, and Andy Robertson just tucks in for him. Um, but it may be something because I think what is he out for three or four months, Rob? I think so. He's yeah. out for a, a, a lengthy period. So that may be something that might happen in a friendly game against France. Mm-hmm. He might go and try something different, but to, to be missing a player, of, not just his qualities, experience as well, Kieran Tierney is huge. And listen, I do agree with Stephen as well. That is one thing that if you do look at the Scotland team, the, the wing backs do bring, they, they're the ones that bring the pace to the team. But when you're obviously forced back the way, there's no that out ball. And who knows, a young man like Ben Doak, well, certainly, I don't care what age he is. No. is he, what is he, 17 or 18? Mm-hmm. Um, he's certainly forced, trying to force his way into the, the Liverpool first team at this moment in time. He's involved virtually every single week. If he's good enough, give him the opportunity. The Scotland under-21s are playing Hungary uh, later tonight. We'll get the team uh, for that one shortly. Uh, I think the expectation was that Ben Doak would captain uh, the Scotland under-21s. Um, is Stevie Clark just going to be a bit careful and cautious about bringing him into the, the Scotland team? Because I like the idea, Stephen, you floated it earlier on about uh, just you know that pace and that ability to get Scotland up the pitch. Yeah, well, I know the Elliot Anderson fallout and whether he wants to play for Scotland or not, but... When he get called up, it was almost out of the blue. Mm. I remember getting, you see the squad list and he's on it and you're thinking, brilliant, that that does mm-hmm. give us an option. And so, if, so if he's willing to take a chance on him, why not a chance on yeah, Ben Doak? Yeah, um, I mean, Jurgen Klopp's not been shy in putting him into the Europa League games. He's going to have the fight of all fights to try and displace Mo Salah at Liverpool, but he's going to be given the opportunity in some of these cup games. And Listen, other countries have done it better, bigger and better countries than us. I think Spain gave a debut to a 16 year old in the last um, set of group games yep. and, and he scored. We aren't blessed with, we, we don't have wingers, we don't have genuine pace in, in those forward areas. I think I think in these early caps, Shea Adams was bringing that. Um, but the more you're in the fold and you're playing against these countries, they do their homework. Um, they're aware that if Lyndon Dykes is playing, then quite a lot of the balls are going to be early. Shea Adams at time the out balls are going to try and play him down the, the, the channels but these these centre-halves now the modern centre-halves are so quick at, at the top level but just someone that can get us up the park I mean John John McGinn Brian Christie Scott McTominay they're all good players in those forward areas but they, they can't they can't take it a run they can't take the ball a run and give those deeper guys a breather go and win a free kick go and win a corner and, and get some pressure off the team There was a spell wasn't there when Shea Adams had a good uh, spell of scoring for Scotland London Dykes I mean even now when you look at London Dykes strike rate goals per games it, it's pretty decent but how many goals has Scotland's main striker got I don't know in the last six eight yeah, games that is the only concern Rob that we haven't got as we mentioned a few minutes ago that a, a, a centre forward who's going to score um, probably guaranteed to score every single game Who, who's, your, who's your top Number nine for Lyndon Scotland Dykes. at the moment. I, I really like Lyndon Dykes. I yeah. do. I think he's he's got everything. Listen, he, he can score goals um, not as much as I would like in an international stage, but I I, I think technically he's good. He's um, He ruffles up centre-backs. They don't like playing against them. Um, he's not the slowest either, Lyndon Dykes, mm. if, you, if you look at it. But going forward, how are we going to operate? I know he played 
Stephen's brother, John, I like John McGinn right behind him and McTominay because he just let them off the leash and just let them run um, off him because obviously he's great at laying the ball off, linking up, he's flick-ons for his, his headers. Um, so for me, if they're going to play one striker, it's Lyndon Dykes and my Why is he with Queen's Park Rangers? Why why is he if if he's if he's a top striker, why do, do you think he hasn't gone to the Premier League? Is that his level? Is Queen Spar is that is Queen's no, Park Rangers I, I, his I level? I think he could play up. I, I said a couple of years ago when he left Livingston, I was very surprised that Rangers didn't um entertain mm. or even go in and question how much it would cost. I don't know what he moved for what was it a million pound yeah, a million and a half yeah. pound it was affordable that's for sure I don't think it was a lot of money at that time and I think he would have been an ideal um, centre forward uh, I'm not saying he's going to be the number 9 that's going to bring 30 goals or 35 goals but listen he would have certainly have done a, a job and I think the job he's done for Scotland has been exceptional I do if you look at his career over the last 4 or 5 years coming for the championship with Queen of the South coming into the Premier League with Livingston and then progressing on the international scene, scoring scoring goals, sorry, playing at a high level, and obviously went down into the championship and done a real good job. And I just seen a few months ago that he signed a new long term contract with Queen's Park Rangers. It's a subject we'll come back to. Uh, our Scotland uh, looking for a, a top class striker with the goals having dried up a bit for Messrs Dykes and Adams. Uh, Messrs McGinn and McTominay have been uh, certainly uh, filling in in admirable fashion of late. But it was a 2-0 defeat for Scotland in Seville last night and still a point is required to clinch qualification. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. Design your bespoke solar PV system and meet your energy needs with no upfront costs. Let's go! So what did you think last night? Spain 2, Scotland 0 in Seville. That run of five straight wins in qualification uh, came to an end. It looked as if it was going to continue for a while had that Scott McTominay goal stood. And had Scotland managed to hold out late on when uh, Morata broke the deadlock and, and then the Spanish team scored again 2-0 it finished and Scotland still with a little bit to do of course it might be done for them in Oslo on Sunday night we shall see but we're uh, well we're trying to get inside the head of Stevie Clark in the course of the show what's he thinking at the moment about Scotland could there be a change of shape could there be some uh, new blood uh, brought into the squad just to invigorate things a little bit further um, but as we've been uh, saying to each other during the break, uh, I think Scotland deserve a, a big pat on the back and you need to uh, celebrate achievement, don't you? Um, as well as uh, pick things over and look to constantly improve. It's Rob McLean, Barry Ferguson and Stephen McGinn in the studio, the Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. And we've got Kevin in Motherwell as well. Hi, Kevin. How you doing, boys? You all right, Stephen Barry, Paul? Hi, Kevin. How you doing, Kevin? Yeah. You can call me Paul, that's fine. It's, Ro it's Rob McLean here, Kevin, never mind. Oh, um, Rob, sorry. No, no, sorry, no, sorry. No, no, it was only a, a slight insult. You've dented his ego now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kevin, what would you like to say about Scotland? Oh, I mean, just, listen, I'm, first of all, so proud of Scotland. Uh, as you know, I've been on the past week mm. a couple of times. Just, just, just so proud of the boys and the manager, the fans, everybody connected with, with, the, with the team. Because we've done great, and I think uh, I think it speaks volumes, Rob. That I'm sitting here as a Scotland fan, Barry, Stephen as well, and we're raging. We've got beat half Spain in mm. Spain, whereas a few years ago we probably just expecting to get beat, expecting to get turned there. Yep. But now you're actually gutted that you're getting beat off these top sides because I think we 
I, I think we um, handled ourselves quite well there, all things considered. I'm gutted for Scott McTominay because that was, had that stood, that, that, that's, that's goal of the qualifiers by, yeah. by a mile, if, I, if that stands. Um, so and I don't think Spain really would have come. I don't think Spain would have come back from it, Kev, would they? Sorry, I don't think Spain would have come back from that had the goal stood. I think they would. I think they. they I think they. They might have snuck a wee draw, maybe. But I don't think Scotland get beat. Um, I, I can't see it getting beat because I think Barry and Stephen will probably be tell you better better than I can. But I think when a, a side is on top, is what Spain were. To then get go behind, I think that probably deflates them a wee bit, mm. um, and it just sucks the energy out of them a wee bit. To be honest, sucks the energy out of the stadium, um, and I think that Scotland tod on for at least a point. Um, so I've, I've gutted all round, and um, I know uh, Barry was saying a wee bit earlier about Ben Doak, and I've mentioned him a few times this week. I hundred percent agree with Barry. Don't care what age he is. Maybe maybe the France. Game is a wee game eh, eh, to, to see what the boy can do because you need to give these boys a chance at some point. Yep. You've got Barry Ferguson in there, Rangers legend. Somebody gave him the chance, young, uh, at Rangers Football Club, one of the biggest clubs in the, in the, on the planet. Mm. So obviously slightly behind Celtic, but still massive. <laughs> uh, but so, somebody gave him the chance, you know what I mean? These boys need chances, so maybe give him a wee shot against France, maybe, maybe a wee half an hour, see what he's got. Well, he's, play, he's playing tonight, isn't he? He's going to be playing tonight for the Scotland under-21s, Barry, so I'm not sure if uh, that would work, whether you would draft him into the, the squad for the for the friendly, for the France friendly. I would. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I'm sure he's in Stevie Clark's thoughts. Look, everybody knows what a wonderful young player he, he is and he's got huge potential. There, there's no doubt. You just need to look at Jurgen Klopp, who's one of the top managers in the world, who's gave him a few opportunities already this season. He's always training with the first team squad. So, look, he, he might look to the France game or he might look to even the, the, the next um, the next couple of qualifying games because, um, for me, age is just a number, Rob. Yeah. He, he, he clearly, he's got the, the mentality because he's training with world-class players at Liverpool um, every single day. He clearly shows a right good attitude and, listen, I've always been a believer in I don't care what age they are, whether they're 17 or 18, if they show the right attitude. And clearly, he's got the ability. Give him that, that opportunity, because at that age, they're fearless. And watching Ben Doak on a few occasions, he looks like a fearless young footballer to me. And you, you can see that fearless quality in Aaron Hickey as well, oh. Stephen. I know he made a high-profile mistake last night, but he's 20 He's learning. He's learning at the top level, isn't he? Uh, and he could be a top player for Scotland for the next fifteen years. Yeah, world at his feet, and as you say, twenty, and he's able to go go right wing back, left wing back. Just on the Ben Doak, I mean, it's probably from a selfish point of view, from a from a country. Steve Clark's maybe looking for the long term development of Ben Doak. Is mm-hmm. he ready mentally to deal with this? And he has to. He's a decision maker for this final decision, but you just think it's the attributes we're looking for. And you think there's a, an Aberdonian playing at Wembley tonight for uh, Australia. And you think, could he have been in our squad, Martin Boyle? Mm-hmm. And the pace he'd bring, and the, I've worked with him at Hibs, and devastating uh, on the counter attack, and, and some big games, maybe playing Celtic or Rangers over the years with Hibs. And 
he can just change a game in a minute with his pace and you think what we'd do we could have done with him with his pace last night maybe but um, that's that's another argument but mm. you're just looking at the attributes of what what's out there what can we bring to this squad to, to add to and the what, squad what does Scotland not have at the moment yeah and, yeah. and that, as you say Steve Clark is maybe thinking no not yet he's he's not ready for it yet but we are, we are I think we are crying out for that bit of pace what about that Martin Boyle shout should he have got a shout with Scotland do you think Barry Martin Boyle, uh-huh. yeah. Listen, he's he's another footballer. I think we ages get better and better mm, with yeah. experience. Um, I've always liked Martin Boyle. Listen, he, he's he's probably final cross or decision making wasn't the best, but I, I think he's get better and better. And listen, when he moved to Saudi Arabia, I'm talking from a domestic point of view. He came back to Hibs for half a million pound. Again, I was shocked that a Rangers or Celtic didn't even entertain that. Yeah. He's a player that listen. Can cause defences problems. There's nothing that scares the defence more than that sort I'm of pace. Just about to say, pace. Yeah. Defenders hate pace, and that's what Martin Boyle's got. But listen, he's got quality now, mixed in with that. He's matured as a, a player. Um, so, uh, yep, I've always liked him. And I'm, I'm going to make a comment about Arn Hickey. That boy will play at the highest level. I know he's playing at the highest level in terms of mm-hmm. playing in the Premier League. Who will he, will he play for he, one of the top four, top four teams? Yeah, yep. Man City, no problem. Forget about the mistake last night. It was a slip. That young boy is, uh, I, I just love watching him. He's just elegant on the ball, knows how to defend. He's got everything, everything that you would want in a in a fullback or a wing back, whatever way you want to play him. And he's that type of player I think could play anywhere on the pitch. Arn Hickey. Kevin, one thing we've been talking about on the show, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this, is, is the friendlies, the fact that Scotland are playing France in Lille on, on Tuesday night. Uh, they've lo- lost to England, lost to Spain last night, could have won the game but lost it. So it could be three defeats on the bounce. Does that bother you at all uh, coming into the business end of the qualification campaign? That's not bother me one bit, mate. Why, why should it? I mean, the England England are, as much as a, I really don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it, they're a, they're a, they're a class team, you know what I mean? They've got world-class players in every single position. We don't we we don't have that luxury that England have got. So no, it doesn't bother me. Spain Spain beat us at their own stadium. That, that's, that's one each. We we we've we've cuffed them at Hamden, they beat us in Spain. Doesn't bother me. We're playing for that. you've got to put it in perspective, Rob. If you're going to these big tournaments, let's see France beat us. England, Spain and France are are three of the teams that are on the are that are favourites to win all these tournaments. So there's no, there's no shame in it. But we all we want to all we should do is concentrate on ourselves. Uh, we are much improved. We're no we're no pushovers, but we do have our we, we do have our limits. And at the end of the day, it's just a friendly. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Is you're not wanting to come out and and for a, a tanking, but I don't think Steve Clark's Scotland side. I don't think that's going to happen to us. Um, but it doesn't bother me if we get beat me. That's, all I'm caring about is getting to Germany. That's yeah. that's where everybody's focus is. But that's got a, that's got a real ring to it. Scotland cuffed Spain at Hamden. I like that. A tank. I've not heard a tank in a, for a while as well. <laughs> Love it. No, but listen, I agree with Matt. I, I don't think it would affect this squad of players, no. Rob. Honestly, no. I, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. I think it's great. It's a great education playing against the top teams because this is what happens when you go to the the big tournaments. This is where we want to be. We want to be at the World Cups. We want to be at the Euros. And to go and achieve something, I'm listen. We're never going to win it. We've got to be realistic. But now we've got to. You're going to come up against these teams in the group stage. Mm. Why fear them? 
let's set up a different way. And I think this is why Steve Clark's playing against these teams to go and make sure the guys know um, what levels you need to get to if you want to go to big tournaments. Kevin, have you got a bit of an action, bit of action happening in the background there? Uh, and I, no, no, just talking to some of the boys in the shop, mate. No, just talking to some of the boys in the shop. Will, will you be wa- uh, Will you be watching the the Norway Spain game Sunday? I don't generally watch the wee teams, mate. I prefer to watch Scotland. <laughs> um, no, I probably have. I probably have one eye on it, mate. I because uh. I'm a I'm a big Erling Haaland uh, fan. So, um, and, but yeah, by the way, boys, there's another example. Erling Haaland. Um, I mean, he was. I know it's only Norway, but he was playing in a Norway first team regular it, it, just when he just turned seventeen. But it, yeah, I, I've said it about during the week, Rob, to Paul. I'll, I'll say it again to you guys. Mm. We need to start bleeding in these young guys as quickly as we can. I know there's a loyalty there with the, with the guys that have have got us to the have got guests to the Euros. Mm. I, I absolutely respect that, but. There comes a time where you need to try and maybe look at the German blueprint, the Dutch blueprint, the Spanish, the Norwegians. They bring these young boys through, and they don't care what age they are. As Barry said, as Barry said, it doesn't matter to me if you're young, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And yeah. I think, I think we need to maybe start that. Start following that blueprint a wee bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And there's probably never a better time uh, to be bleeding in young talent than when you are going well, and Scotland are going well, just a point away from qualification for the finals in Germany next summer. Global Eco Energy sell and install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers. With access to a wide range of renewable energy products, including solar PV, battery storage, air source heat pumps and eco garden makeovers, we offer a bespoke service tailored to your exact needs. For a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options, go to global-eco.co.uk. The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. Switch to clean renewable energy and reduce your bills by up to 70%. Let's go! Another hour of football chat coming up with uh, Stephen McGinn, Barry Ferguson and Rob McLean. That uh, Scotland under-21 team we've been speaking about, been talking a lot about Ben Doak in the first hour. And uh, while the team against Hungary has been announced, Kieran Slicker in goals, Max Johnston, Matthew Anderson, Liam Morrison as the captain, Ibani Bowett, uh, Leon King, Ben Doak wears number seven, Conor Barron at number eight, Josh Mulligan, Kieran Bowie, and uh, Jeremiah Mullen. Uh, that is the starting 11 for the under 21s uh, against Hungary on the bench. Newman, uh, Mellon, Denham, Lowry, Nelson, Finlay Robertson, Lawrence, McPherson, and uh, Ryan Duncan. So no captain's armband for Ben Doak, uh, Stephen, but he is in that team looking to further enhance his reputation, which is growing rather rapidly already. Yeah, and a lot of promising talent in there, like Ryan Duncan from Aberdeen. I think Josh Mulligan from Dundee played against him. I think he's a top talent. I think he's a big one for the future. Conor Barron? Conor Barron, yeah. At one point looked like he had the world at his feet, had a bit of a setback, but he's come again strong uh, at Aberdeen. So, um, yeah, a lot of promising prospects in there. Talent coming through, Barry, is there is there enough? In Scotland, yeah, there's a, there's are they getting a chance? Are they getting game time? Well, I, I don't see loads playing on a regular basis and that's what you've got to do domestically. You've got to get that experience of playing week in, week out, Rob. 
then to get that obviously recognition to get into the, the full squad but there's a, a few players Max Johnson for instance right back who was at Muddle he's moved to Strum Graz mm-hmm. who um, done it the hard route went out on loan went to Queen of the South come back to, to Muddle and I, I thought he was very impressive last year Cor- Connor Barron who you said um, he, he seems to be coming back to the yeah, sort of form he, he was producing wee, before he got a couple of injuries oh was it injuries sorry um but he was out the picture a bit. Yeah. He's obviously forced his way in um, at the weekend. There, he was really good for Aberdeen. He was man of the match, wasn't he? He um, was when they drew the game yep. at the weekend. Um, so, yep, yeah, there is certainly talent. But what you need to see for this talent is is playing week in, week out. Rob, that's the only way they're going to get better. They're going to get that experience, and then obviously, hopefully, that will then benefit the the full national team. Talking of uh, top talent, he's not a youngster anymore, but he's uh, he's certainly developing at a rate of knots. Uh, Mr. Lewis Ferguson at Bologna, were, su- were you surprised he didn't get a blink of the action last night? Yeah, d- disappointed of him, being honest. Um, listen, it's difficult to get a start. You look at the three midfielders, I've got to be honest with you, Callum McGregor, McTominay and McGinn. Let's be honest, their top midfielders are playing at a high level. But off the bench? Yeah, when he made the substitutions, obviously Stuart Armstrong, young Billy Gilmer, who obviously couldn't get in the starting lineup either, uh, come on um, last night, and I, I was kind of was a bit disappointed that he never got minutes on the pitch because we know how his form's been the last few weeks. Robbie, he's been in really good form. He's captaining the Bologna team in Serie A, um, which is a tough league to play in. So yep, um, pretty. Pretty surprised, pretty disappointed that he's not had that opportunity. Um, and I look back at the games the previous month. Uh, I know he came on in the late latter stages, sorry, the England game, which is difficult when the, the games yeah. um, peter out. So yeah, he's um, listen. The only thing Lewis can keep doing is doing his stuff at Bologna. Keep his head down, work hard, and hopefully at some stage he will get that opportunity. He's got lots of choices, Stevie Clark, so you can understand uh, what's going through his head last night in Seville. But just what Barry was saying there, Stephen, the, the fact that he's got the captaincy recently, I mean, he's flying. Uh, he must be in fantastic form, feeling good about himself. You would have thought that maybe for the last 10 minutes or 15 minutes last night? Yeah, but that's how he's control. And as Barry said, he, he's doing his bit. He can put his head in the pillow in the team hotel and say, I can't really do any more. I know the players rate him really highly. He's even better at Bologna. I remember playing against him at Aberdeen and I thought he had everything. I thought he played like an experienced midfielder, even at such a young age. I mean, you think of how he's playing, you think he's still got six, seven years into his peak years. So I think he'll go again from Bologna. Uh, I think he's very unfortunate in terms of... Um, I mean, it's such a competitive area of the park for Scotland. I think if he played a different from, uh, position, he'd have had at least 10 more caps. Um, but it is a real competitive area. There's not been a lot of injuries or suspensions in the area. And I think even the friendly, the, the nature of the, the England friendly, I think if it's a, any other team in any other game, not the 150th anniversary, I think he probably gets a game that night. But I think with being England and everything came with that friendly, Steve Clark went with the strongest team. So he's one I'm desperate to have a look at him on Tuesday. I really hope he plays on Tuesday because he, he deserves it. He, he's earned the right to play on Tuesday. Robert, I'll say you've done quite a lot of the Aberdeen games. Mm-hmm. I don't think you actually seen the best of Lewis Ferguson at times. No. Um, in the Aberdeen team no. where, where he played. Yeah. I think he's, his best position is... He's much further forward, isn't he, with Bologna? Yep, just what I was saying about um, John McGinn and Scott McTominay. I prefer them off the leash, get up and support, getting about 
the opposition. Um, that's where I like Lewis playing, and that's where he plays for uh, for ba- Bologna. So, yeah, but look, I- I'm sure he'll be a bit disappointed. But one thing about him is his attitude will no change. Mm. You-, you know what it's like, Rob, as well. Um, he- he'll roll his sleeves up and-, and continue to work hard and. And hopefully we'll get that opportunity um, during the week against France. And it tells you something about the team, doesn't it? And the squad. Yeah. That the, Someone uh, that's on fire like well, Lewis Ferguson well, can't get in. You look at the three that started. McGinn, McTominay, McGregor. Now you can't argue with that. No. Right good quality there. And then you look at Billy Gilman. You could argue, should well, Billy be playing? Did, did you agree with that decision last night? Did that decision work to, to play Ryan Christie rather than Billy Gilmore? I would have played... Billy Gilmer uh-huh. I would have and beside Callum McGregor to, to just grasp a bit of possession of the ball and let John and Scott McTominay get up and support um, but listen who's to argue with yeah, Stevie Clark exactly. I mean it's exactly. difficult to argue because of the job he's done and let's be honest Ryan Christie's never let Scotland down no. has he one thing about Ryan Christie again he's got good ability also he works hard for the team as well so I was surprised that Billy never started mm-hmm. but also I can understand the reason why Ryan Christie um, started the game because listen he's playing in the Premier League as well he's he's playing the vast majority of the games and and to be fair to Ryan Christie he is a, a very good football player as well Did that work for you Stephen last night no Billy Gilmore? I think it was just the, the type of game Steve Clark expected it to be I don't think it was anything other than maybe getting the physicality of Scott McTominay back the pitch beside Callum McGregor I think it was. I think it was maybe going to be McTominay plus one in that defensive role, and Billy Gilmore can't really play in that position. Ryan Christie, he, he's, no. it's not his position. So I think it was all about getting uh, Scott McTominay back one. Because I think in the England game, we obviously think, we we faced England. England were red hot on the night. I thought everything we tried to do was dictated by Harry Kane. I thought it was a real special performance from him. Honestly, every time the ball went up to him, he was knocking them off one touch. And really hard for Cal McGregor and Billy Gilmer on the night. We're just getting counter-attacked all the time. So I think it was just a consequence of that and wanting Scott McTominay's physicality in, in there, in Do that you, deeper position. See, just we're watching Scott McTominay over the last year. We obviously, what he's done for Scotland, the goals that he scored and when he plays by Manchester United, I prefer him now further up the pitch. Yeah. Look, he can play that pivot or anchor, whatever you want to call it, in the middle of the pitch, but I do like him. Um, further up the pitch because as I said there's certainly goals in him there's no doubt about that Would Spain have been relieved that he was playing deeper last night and that he yeah. wasn't let loose mm-hmm. in terms of the I, form I he's been takes, in? I think it takes quite a bit away from his game Rob Yeah. Um, when he's when he's sitting deeper I do I like him when he's he can um, make the runs beyond the the striker he can get up and, and um, obviously close down the, the holding midfielders of the the Spanish team um, but listen he still do, does a job in there but I just like him further uh, further forward up the pitch I just wonder what that did psychologically whether that actually gave Spain a, just, a lift I was just thinking the majority of his caps have came at right of a back three as well yeah <laughs> I know <laughs> to be fair he done some job yeah, there he's as been, well he's been great for Scotland he has he's, I mean you think on Twitter there was a bit of a I mean the video of him for Man uh, Man United when he wasn't running back, and you're thinking, how can they possibly um, be blaming this and, and him because he leaves everything out there for for Scotland and Man United. Yeah, one thing about that is one thing about he'll give you everything you've mm. got, and that's all you can ask. Mm-hmm. Um, that that should be a given anyway for any footballer. But some of the criticism that he, he's had over the past couple of years, I think, has been way over the top. In my opinion, I think he's a quality midfielder. Do you think Ten Hag is finally convinced about him now? 
I just I don't I don't know what I mean. Man United, have got, you, you could speak for hours about Man United's problems over the last few years, but it seems to be McTominay, Harry Maguire, the the real genuine workers, the ones that give everything, care, take the 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 weight of the world on their shoulders for the club that they get the abuse. It seems to be some of these big name signings that maybe do let them down at times, and it's the local lads that are getting a lot of the stick. I I know Man United, his club, and he's been there since five-year-old kid yeah. I think I've yeah. seen something like that or eight-year-old I can't exactly remember if he's not going to play at Man United just go and play somewhere else because I tell you what if he becomes available there'll be a list of clubs would take him in a heartbeat right across Europe in a heartbeat yeah. he's in some headspace isn't he Barry when he when he even attempts something like last night yeah but that just shows you the confidence that he's got in his own ability um, to try that because I'm watching it and thinking right I'm looking inside the box and seeing what's the movements of the, the McKenna's and Henry's and, and whatever and he unleashes that and he's went for it there's no doubt he's meant that um, and the pace he's hit it it just shows you the, the level of confidence that he's got in his game at this moment in time and it must be tough for him because he, he'll be frustrated you look at the Man United midfield you look at Amrabat who I really like I think he's mm. a top midfielder Casemiro yeah, Casemiro um, and there's I can name another two or three but for me I think he should be playing on the Man United team You like a free kick Stephen would that have made your top ten? Yeah it was good wasn't it? I mean sometimes you're watching obviously watching for John and John takes set pieces for Scotland and McTominay I mean McTominay's over the ball um, because he's, he has a good size he's a good header of the ball I'm, I'm looking back and thinking, how did I not, not know he was going to go for a goal? And you think of, usually he would be in the box and he has a big uh, target for us, but I think it, it's the confidence flowing through. I think he's, I mean, topping the goal-scoring charts, obviously not anymore, but he was at one point. I think he's just having a real special period. And it's amazing the amount of money they spend, Man United, and it's, it's him that bails him out at the weekend mm. with two goals. And I mean, his header for the, for the winning goal uh, was pretty special. And there is a bit of Dan Fletcher about him in terms of mm-hmm. Dan Fletcher scored a lot of big goals for club and country, gave everything, and yeah, I think it'd be silly to let him go. But he's got he, that physique as well, hasn't he, to to go with all the the talent. Yeah, he's a he's a big lumpy boy, no doubt about it. And it's a good example. I played with Fletch, mm-hmm. and some of the criticism he got at times was well over the top. But if you look at his career, he played in every single big game for Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson, whether it was Champions League games. Man City games, Arsenal games, Chelsea games. And when you actually play beside him, Dan Fletcher, and you train beside him, you could see the qualities that he, he had. And he's very, very similar to McTominay. McSauce is uh, what uh, John McGinn revealed to the nation. He he was He's known as Scott McTominay. Uh, here is John. We've heard from him already talking about VAR and the referee and all that sort of stuff. Here he is generally on the game itself. Uh, the big moments went against us. There's no doubt we can still improve, but we put in put in some shift. We knew at least a point tonight would would get us there. Um, it's a really tough one to take. It's a slow blow losing Robbo early, um, then thinking you're ahead. Um, that going going against us. We then regrouping. They score a goal. I don't. I've not. That's the only thing I've not seen back there. Goal. Um, I don't know if we can defend it better, but certainly a tough one to take. But we we competed for long spells and. Um, it's very difficult to win here, um, but under the circumstances, it, it was near enough impossible. How much was that goal that broke the deadlock about um, losing Marata in the middle, and how much was it about not stopping the cross, Stephen? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's a bit of both. I think, I mean, it's something you can't really level at this Scotland team. I mean, they do defend well, they do defend diligently, they stop crosses, they, they win headers in the box, they match runners. I, I do, I can't help but think it's a consequence of the kind of the shift in momentum with, the, with that goal being, being changed because I did think Spain were going nowhere and, and I just think for, for a period Scot Scotland were rattled and I actually thought the goal kick-started them into their best period in the game. I thought for the first time they, they really put Spain in the back foot. I think they created chances in that period. And I mean, Aaron Hickey slips. It's a total freak. It's an accident. I would have liked to, the way the game was going, just get it into the last five minutes, make Spain see out the 1-0 and have to defend a few set pieces because we are such a threat, as we've said. Norway, Spain, Barry, will, will you be watching that one or just keeping tabs on the score to get the, the champagne open? No, I'll, I'll watch it because I think yeah. it's that'll be a right be a good cracking game. game won't yeah, it? listen, some top players in um, in the Norway team as well. well. Obviously, everybody knows who the main man is, Haaland. Um, but you yeah, he got a couple last night, didn't he? Against yep, Cyprus, yeah, four 0 win. Um, so yeah, but I'll certainly tune into that one. Um, but I've got no issues. Whether be listen, it'd be great to finish top uh, top of the group. Mm -hmm. Would love it because I think it's richly deserved. But see, if we're no, we're, we're still going to be going to Germany mm -hmm. no matter what and. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that game pans out on Sunday so here's your choice uh, are you going for a Spain win and that's qualification on Sunday night or what about a Norway win that gives us a, a stronger chance you would imagine of, of topping the group I think Spain will win the game and is, and is that what you would if you were given the choice of a result is that what you would have Germany. you I'm, just, yeah, you just want to get it booked yeah no just listen get us qualified that's it we're done and dusted and Everybody can obviously make their arrangements for, for next summer because um, this is what we want to see every second year as hmm. a qualification for a World Cup or a, a Euro because um, we're used to it in the 90s. And it um, sorts out our summer holidays, doesn't it? It, it does. When we know that that's can, coming. You can work round about it but <laughs> it's just it's, we're in a good place at this moment in time and it's, it's crazy how we're saying oh, how disappointed we are we getting beat off. Let's be honest there a quality team last night but that just shows you how far we have came and are you the same Stephen would you just want this done as quickly as possible which means a Spain yeah, win on yes. Sunday night rather than uh, Haaland starring for Norway yeah. they beat Spain and then suddenly there, there, there's a bit stronger chance of Scotland topping the group yeah just take the Spain win um, just with the nature of the last two games I mean I, th I think we're better than Georgia I think, we, I think we would win in Georgia but you just you just wouldn't like it to go to that last game shootout. Um, we think of with Odegaard and Haaland and with us having almost put ourselves in that position where we had everything to lose and Norway had taken it to this last game with the momentum. So just get it done and dusted. And we are approaching, we, we have a, a young group. We've got a lot of players that have, have grown together, coming into peak ages and it's such an exciting time. I think this group is a group that takes us back to World Cup and then obviously a home um, Euros to look forward to after this one so it could be a really exciting six, five, six years for the national team It's France in Lille on Tuesday night that's a friendly 8 o'clock kickoff in France and then next month the double header and uh, hopefully it's all done and dusted by then if it's not it's Georgia away it's Norway at home as Scotland close in on qualification for Euro 2024 the Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. For great customer service and a free home survey, call 0800 233 5788. Let's go! We're always avidly listening to commercial breaks, but sometimes we do get talking uh, when the mics are down. Uh, people who don't want to know too much more 
uh, about that. Uh, talking Scotland, of course, on the back of uh, that defeat in Seville last night, but Scotland still very much on track to clinch qualification. It could happen Sunday night. Might happen next month in the course of that doubleheader. Georgia away and Norway at home. Scotland under-21s playing Hungary tonight. Liam Morrison will captain the team. Ben Doak is in there. A lot of chat about Ben Doak tonight. Should he be fast-tracked into the Scotland squad? Fast being the key word. Uh, maybe Scotland could use his pace and if you're good enough you're old enough that seems to be the the old adage uh, but for the next little chunk of the program we're going to uh, leave uh, the international game behind although just mentioning the fact that the Scottish FA are going to be writing to UEFA it seems seeking clarification on Scotland's disallowed goal in that 2-0 loss to Spain last night Scott McTominay thought he'd given Scotland the lead with that stunning free kick it was almost on the byline uh, the action on the ball was incredible and uh, the goalkeeper Simon didn't have a hope of course it was uh, uh, disallowed it seemed for a foul by uh, Jack Hendry that was the indication from the Dutch uh, referee uh, before he went double Dutch and uh, it was offside that was that was the reason uh, but it was all very confusing and uh, uh, nobody seemed to know what was going on at the time. That's a big problem with VAR. Communication doesn't seem to uh, be too hot uh, alongside uh, the video assistant uh, referee. But anyway, the Scottish FA are going to be looking for answers, looking for a bit of clarification. Too late in the day, of course, uh, but maybe better late than never. So more on Scotland between now and seven o'clock. Uh, more on uh, club football too. We're going to be talking Rangers in a moment, but let's talk, uh, well, he's not Celtic anymore, but he's certainly uh, a Celtic manager who made a massive impact over the last two years. And he's not doing too badly in English football either. Uh, as of today, it is back-to-back Premier League Manager of the Month awards for Ange Postecoglou, Tottenham. Uh, Stephen McGinn are flying. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I think I think he he came to Celtic a top manager. Obviously, we we didn't initially give him the respect he probably commanded with his previous um, achievements. But I think the intensity at Celtic, I think everything from managing the big clubs made him a better manager even the one that walked through the doors at Celtic Park and he's just absolutely nailed his start at, at Tottenham the thing, I mean when you're watching them you see them do all the same things the way Celtic played with the wingers, with the inverted fullbacks. You, you knew they would create chances I think a lot of us still felt they would score goals even with the loss of Harry Kane because of his style um, the bit that's really surprised me is how solid they look I mean, the defensive record's as good as anything in the minute in the, in the Premier League. And I think that's why they're top of the league. And yeah, you're looking at the fixture lift. They came through, obviously, Arsenal away. Um, Liverpool at home, obviously, they much talked about Liverpool at home. But four points at that six, I think that was, was pretty special. Because you are looking at the fixture and they think, yeah, it's been a, a comfortable start. But that'll be the big test. But four points from six. And all of a sudden, you're looking at them top of the league and you're thinking... I'm not sure where they where they start to kind of break down. As long as they stay injury free, um, that's only going to get better. Played eight, won six, drawn two, lost none. Top of the league in England. Has he surprised you, Barry, in terms of the quick impact he's made? No. Nope. Uh, is, is that the answer? No. Okay. no I, listen, I, I said that when he went down there, they were getting a, a top manager. Uh, when he come over here, we were a bit ignorant in terms of where he's managed before but then you need to look at the experience he had he was 25 years as a manager mm. so he, he knows the game inside um, inside out he's went down there and I thought the ignorance arrogance whatever way you want to put it is who's this that's coming down off he's not going to do this or 
he's not going to be a good manager for Tottenham well listen he's shown or he's proven what a top manager he is he's made some astute signings you watch them they're a brilliant watch and they deserve to be top of the league I watched an interview with James Madison, uh, James Madison um, over the weekend and um, he was just uh, so complimentary in terms of his man management the way he wants to play the way he goes about his business and you can see that with the performances on the pitch they're, they're a joy to watch and, and listen don't be surprised that um, that they are not up there come towards the end of the season Barry speaks about ignorance, arrogance. It's incredible to think back just over two years, really, two years and a bit when he arrived at Celtic and it was Ange who and nobody could pronounce his surname. And um, yeah, uh, he was dismissed before being given any sort of chance. And I mean, he, he domin- he's dominated with Celtic. He introduced an incredible brand of football and now he's transferring it to a club that was kind of going nowhere in England and he's given them real direction. Yeah, and he's just got that bit of an infectious personality I think the fans already have totally taken to him the way the Celtic fans did and he's just as, as Barry said he's so experienced um, and I think he's learned a lot from, from Celtic as we said but all of a sudden now he's playing against these top teams that maybe in, in the Champions League when he was trying to play that way with Celtic it was just a bit of lack of quality that let them down the Champions League all of a sudden he's got James Madison he's got Son he's creating these opportunities away at Arsenal when Arsenal for, for a period in the game were blowing Tottenham away um, I thought Saka was terrorising the doggy for, for the first half an hour of the game but they just keep the same way you know, he doesn't change at all he just keeps playing the same way and all of a sudden they've got their set patterns they get they, they build rhythm in the game and I just think every time I watch his teams they're going to score a goal or they're going to create chances and uh, yeah, it's such a good watch and as I say I, I think they've been that solid at the back and they're always going to create chances I don't see where they start to slip up can see, see when you watch Sorry. him, Rob. Yeah, when you watch him doing mm-hmm. an you can you're tuned right into him. Just the way he speaks about the game, his knowledge of the game. But what I find him is he's just straight. There's no grey areas, and I think that's why his teams are so successful. Clear communication, one hundred percent. Can Rangers find their version of Ange Postecoglou, and why are we still waiting for a replacement from Michael Beale nearly two weeks on? Well, I would hope so. Um, I obviously, when Michael Beale got dismissed, um, I don't like using the word sacked, dismissed. John Bennett put a statement out that they were going, they were clearly going to take their time. And I get that and understand that, Rob. But I, I do firmly believe they need to have a manager in place before the game against Hibs at Ibrox, um, a week on Saturday. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And I would imagine. I thought it would have been announced by now, but I would imagine the start of the week they have to have the manager in place and get in and know the surroundings, get to know the the players for a few days at least before um, that crucial um, first league home game after the international break. And the new manager really need, needs to hit the, the ground running. I, I still think it's a brilliant job to get, Rob. They're still in four competitions. I know they're seven points behind Celtic, um, but there's only eight games went. There's still 30 games to go. They're in a semi-final of the League Cup. Mm-hmm. The Scottish Cup's not started yet, so obviously they're still in that. And I still think they've got a brilliant chance of getting out in the Europa League um, group stage because they've still got Prague at home. And let's be honest, Limassol, they're no great shake, so you should be beating um, they two at home. So I still think it's a, a brilliant job to get, but I do believe the guy has to be in place by the start of the week. 
That was a shocker of a game, wasn't it? Limits all against Rangers. Rob, I mean, I watched the Aberdeen game and the um, and the Aris game. Look, Aberdeen. I thought Aberdeen deserved to win. Mm. Uh, no excuses. Aberdeen the second half, and it wouldn't have mattered if Scott Wright didn't get sent off. I still think Aberdeen would have won the game. But that game on Thursday night, it was probably the hardest watch I've I've had in a a long time. It was sore. They look really flat. They look fragile. Um, I'm just glad that Davo managed to get that three points at the weekend against St Myrne. And then it kind of calms things down a wee bit and it allows the board to go and make sure they get the right man in place. But that right man in place needs to hit the ground running and and start to win games of football and win trophies because that's what Rangers are built on. Do you think the Rangers fans, Stephen, have confidence in the decision makers at Rangers uh, in getting the right man this time when Michael Beale didn't work out? I'm not sure. I mean, fans are fans. Are, they're always glass half full. They're desperate for it to the next appointment to be the right one. I think if it's uh, Muscat or Clement, that in their own ways are quite exciting appointments, um, very successful in the, where they've managed before. But I just, I, I mean, I went along to Paisley last weekend um, and I'd read all the, the stuff coming out of Rangers. We're going to get the right man. We'll take our time. And off the back of Limassol, and, and I was just watching the game and I, and I just couldn't help but think that clubs like Rangers, they can't have caretaker managers. They can't have periods where... Um, I mean, I've had caretaker managers and someone steadies the ship. You win two games, you maybe draw one, you, you beat one in these four games and everyone thanks them. Thanks very much. If Rangers have any more slip-ups, it could be fatal for the season. I mean, total league done. Mm. Um, I think the international breaks helped him out a lot because I don't know what, what what's taken so long if the, if the interview process happened last week why like what the reason they haven't made the decision I'm hoping to get here tonight and get a wee swerve off Barry to who it might mm. be um, giving nothing away but no. um, yeah I just don't think the caretaker works at the real big clubs I mean as you say we always say you have to win every single game uh, fair play to Stephen Davis stepping up at, at last minute but it just re- club at Rangers needs a figurehead it needs a I don't know if Barry played under caretakers in his, in his time at Rangers but I think it can't go any longer I think a new man needs in place by, by the time they play next Did you play under caretaker management at any stage Barry that you can remember? No, no, no. if a manager get dismissed the next one was, was yeah. straight in but I think they've listened to international Stephen just mentioned there, the international breaks came at a good time I think they've went and they've done the process of four or five managers mm-hmm. they've whittled it down to two and then there'll be a second or third interview and I think that's why they're, they're, they're taking their time to make sure um, they get it spot on because the Rangers fans will demand that um, So is it Mus- Muscat or Clement? Is that, yeah, is that, that the choice? That, that's, the, that's the two um, And are you Mus- happy with that choice? Yeah, I look at both of them and both of them have got good experience. In terms of Kevin Muscat, I played with Muscat mm-hmm. and I know what type of character he is and there was a lot made about he's this hard man footballing and he was, he was a, a tough cookie. How was he harder than you? Tough. <laughs> he was a tough cookie on the, the field, there was no doubt, but he was an intelligent guy as well, Rob. You can see that he had a good mind, he, he thought a lot about the, the, the game of football mm-hmm. and and it's um, one of the ones when it's an ex-teammate you go and look how he's he's went on in his career and he's been a manager for 11 years now um, so he's not a, a novice No. so he knows the game he's managed in different countries he's went over to the same type of path as Postacoglu in Japan and been a, a real success so I can see why he's at the top of the list and Clement as well who's won trophies in the Belgium League 
Um, he's went to Monaco first season I think they were third then six they finished and obviously he, he got them, uh, dismissed from his job so see the two of them Rob they're, they're pretty close and whoever gets a job you, you'll you get right right behind them and I'm sure the Rangers fans will but it needs to be the right guy because it's been a revolving door for too long too many managers Rob if you look at Rangers over their history they've had managers who have, have been there for the long term and this next manager I believe I firmly believe needs to be here for the next three to five years and the problem with the revolving door is that when each manager goes the squad tends to be recycled or, or ripped apart and, and that's expensive if, you, if you're wasting money on paying off a management team and trying to get rid of players that the, the next coach doesn't want that, that really takes away from the transfer budget that you would want to be adding to what you have yep, yep. and this and this manager has got a tougher task in his hand than Michael Beale. I think Michael Beale um, inherited a team that had finished in the Europa League runners-up. Obviously lost Bassey, lost Aribo, but there was a lot to work with. I think this manager's going to ha- need a couple of transfer windows. I think there's going to be a bit of pain along the way mm. in terms of... I still, still don't think Michael Beale, if you asked him what, what his best 11 was at any point, if everyone's fit, I think it, for the new manager, whoever it is, has got to establish that as soon as possible. I think even for the dressing room, there has to be, in the best teams that you've played, or you've, you, you kind of know by this stage the cup final team in, in terms of if the team is to play in a cup final, which Rangers might have in, in December, that'll be the team if everyone's fit, that's a team. And almost a pecking order and, and how, how you work your way into that team. It just seems so random, so off the cuff, the, the team selection, and it did so. And so many players seem to be suited to playing centrally. So the new manager's got a bit of work in his hand before he can get anyone in because we're outside the transfer window to try and establish the best formation, the way to, to find your best team because, as I say, any slip-ups in the league could be fatal in terms of the league campaign but there is a there's a cup to be won there before the, the transfer window so get your best team as soon as possible. Rob, you make a good point there. Over the last 10 months, that's two managers with three or four staff each. It's millions mm-hmm. it's cost. And then you look and that's, at the, that's money down a black hole, isn't yep. it? Yeah, because you've got to pay them off because they're in contract. But then, on the flip side of that, you look at this squad, what's been assembled in the summer, where you've went and spent £4 million and £3 million, £6 million, whatever they've, they've spent um, over the summer. These guys, if a new manager comes in, if he doesn't fancy them, you can't just get rid of them like, like that. These guys are on contracts, three- yep. and four-year contracts, and probably on salaries that they've never earned anywhere near before in their career no so that that that's the the issue that's going to obviously fall on the the, the new manager is he going to be able to get a kick out of these signings or are they surplus but what are they worth now when you've went and spent x amount on them do you let them go for peanuts mm-hmm. because not because nothing that's happened for most of these guys at rangers has added to their value it's, it's detracted you would yeah, imagine you, you, you look at all the signings and, and listen the one that jumps out is Jack Butlin he was a free transfer I mean he, he has yeah. been he's been different class let's be honest really impressed with him um, the other ones that have struggled Danilo you, know, you can put away to the side in terms of because he's mm. obviously suffered a serious but even before the, before the injury he yeah. wasn't sitting there the light either was he exactly so you're looking at him and think to yourself how's the manager going to get a, a kick out of these, these players I, I'll be honest with you over the last couple of weeks Seema mm-hmm. has um, listen he, he's no 
brilliant on the eye but one thing about him he works hard and he scored a, a few goals but yep. you need more I need more for the, the, the rest of the signings um, so this is the the huge job that this new manager has got when he comes into the, the, the building This League Cup semi-final is going to be one high pressure game isn't it for Rangers because they need to be winning this trophy as a bare minimum in the next couple of months Yes um, but it's also a really exciting I mean you speak about at the start of the season who can win that first trophy. I think it's added to the, the, the domestic campaign, moving it to, to the December. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost becomes a cup in, like a, a season within itself who can win that first race to the, the first trophy. Um, so it's an exciting... I, I think it's an exciting time for the new manager coming in. I, I said I think there will be pain along the way, but Celtic are coming into a challenging period. When you think of with around the Atletico Madrid home and away... They go to Tynecastle, they go to Easter Road, they have St Mern, Celtic Park. You've got to believe if you're taking that job, you're coming in with the optimism, glass half full mentality. We can close that gap. Until I get to a transfer window, let's try and close the gap. Let's put a bit of pressure onto Celtic because Celtic up to now in, in the season haven't faced a lot of pressure. Um, even you think of the draw at home to St Johnson, it wasn't long before Rangers dropped points again. So there is, I mean... There's that bit of fresh enthusiasm. But I wonder what Barry thinks about some of the ones that were really impressive from January onwards. You, you look at Cantwell and Raskin. They've not been at the need same. Need to see more, Stephen. Yeah, they've not been the yep. same. Yep, yeah, yeah, I need to see more of them. Um, we've not seen enough, and it's no. Listen, it falls on the manager's shoulders, and I get that he's he's obviously made the signings, but also when you cross that white line, he, there needs to be more shown in terms of quality and and effort. So the new manager's got a big job in what you said, see it's a must. That trophy Do you has, feel that do you feel that, that yeah. trophy yeah. has got to go back into the yeah. Ibrooks cabinet come December the seventeenth? There is no doubt in my mind, and I'm not being disrespectful to the teams who they're coming up against in terms of hearts and the other semi final, they have got to win that trophy. Have Rangers got a realistic chance in the league? Or or has that has that has that got if we're if we're talking a couple, of, a couple of transfer windows for the new manager yeah. to get things sorted then the league's almost mission impossible already isn't it? Yeah it's, it's going to be tough but you can never write it there's still 30 games there's a lot of football to be played and I agree with what Stephen said watching Celtic I don't think they've been at their best but you can see gradually they're starting to improve and then they're starting to get obviously players back and the two players that spring to mind is Hitati and Carter Vickers Yeah. So that they're only going to improve the Celtic team. So listen, Rangers have got a job in their hands, but you can never, never like give in. But it's it's a big ask even at this early stage in the season. But we just need to wait and see who the new manager is and how much he can get out of these players. Because I still look at the Rangers squad and I still think there's real good players there. Mm-hmm. But they're just no... It's the balance tradition. of it. It's the balance of it, isn't it? Everyone's wanting to play the number 10. Everyone's wanting to play number 9. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know if maybe I mean if the boys that have dipped below your Raskins and that they may be feeling sorry for themselves a wee bit because the quality they feel as if maybe the quality of a Ryan Kent, a Sakala, the guys that at times when they're not playing well would dig them out with mm-hmm. a, a bit of magic, a big goal. That's not happened so much with the signings. If they dip below, feeling sorry for themselves. I've been there. I've been there when um, you think oh, your striker's never going to score and you start to your performances dip. So I think the new manager will kick some of their performances into gear already um, obviously Raskin I thought he was better on Sunday he does really well for the SEMA goal so they need more out of the, the guys as well 
Yeah, I mean, there was that great excitement, wasn't there, Barry, when all these signings came in? Lots of them were strikers, and and you were thinking, right, this this could be Rangers with a real attacking edge to them this season. And it's that it's that deflating feeling, isn't it, when they don't work out? Yeah, Rob, I'll be honest. I, I was excited for one of the the reasons why I was excited was because how early the business was done as yep. well. You get them in the first day of pre-season. And um, and I've got to be honest, it's not been it's not been good enough, and that's why they're seven points behind um, in the league. That's why the the manager's been dismissed. So listen, collectively they need to be a lot better, and individually they need to be a lot better. And this will be the job of the new managers coming in. But the one positive over the last couple of games is young players coming through. I thought young Lovelace was was good. The first 35, 40 minutes showed good energy and power and McCausland as well so yeah. it's good to see these young players coming through but in terms of the senior ones I need to see a lot more than what they've shown over the last couple of months We're talking football in Glasgow's own and still 15 minutes to go The Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy Design your bespoke solar PV system and meet your energy needs with no upfront costs Let's go It's Barry Ferguson Stephen McGinn and Rob McLean on the Go Show and uh, we're on for another uh, well, best part of 15 minutes on the back of Spain 2, Scotland 0 uh, last night. That was a good chat in the last chunk of the show. Uh, initially about Celtic and Ange Postecoglou and, of course, the massive impact he's making at Tottenham, top of the league down south. Um, and, of course, the yawning gap uh, in the car park at Rangers. Uh, who is going to be parking their car in the manager's space in the next little while? And the Rangers fans will hope it is the next little while because, of course, uh, club football back in business at the top level in Scotland next weekend. And you do feel uh, Rangers need to get that manager and his feet under the table as quickly as as possible there is uh, work to be done uh, not much more work to be done for Scotland to qualify for Euro 2024 just one more point required off the back of that defeat in Seville last night this was the reaction afterwards of Stevie Clark. always disappointed to lose uh, I think that's something that you need to have in your makeup to be a top professional player uh, to be a top head coach not that I'm saying I'm a top head coach but I'm a head coach you have to be you have to be disappointed because we came here and we thought we could get the result that would qualify us. So we'll go away, we'll lick our wounds and look forward to next month. I think you can hear the hurt in his voice and you could hear it from uh, John McGinn and some of the other players in their aftermatch interviews last night, Barry, as well. Yeah, because there's a, a real belief when you're going away to top teams that they can come away with a, a, a result and that just shows how far we, we've came. I, I think the job that Steve Clark's done um, and what he's done with the, this group of players, I think he's done a an unbelievable job, Rob. And it's uh, when Scotland play, I want, I'm tuned in, really tuned in. And, and, and enjoying it. Yeah, and I, I enjoy the way they play. Like last night, I actually enjoyed it in terms of the way they set up and how deep they were, but just how well organised. And that, that comes down to uh, top coaching, and that, that's what Steve Clark I mean. If you think back to, to his Kilmarnock team, Kilmarnock mm. team were. were um, were unbelievable in, in terms of some of the results and what they achieved in the Premier League. And I just think it's been a slow burner at the start. You're looking and think, oh, is this going to be really defensive? But I think as each game's went mm. on, I think uh, we're a good team to watch. We can play the game in the right manner. But also when we need to put our bodies on the line and defend, we can do that as well. So I think it's a real good mix. And as I said, Rob, 
I enjoy watching Scotland and, and listen, I, I think this group, when you look at it, and hopefully we'll see a few younger ones, which we've been speaking about, mm. I think this group can be together for another four stroke six years and, and even improve on where we, where we are at this moment in time. And quite a lot of players, um, if they stay injury free and they continue in the form they're in at the moment, when you look at the ages, Stephen, there could be a lot, of, quite a few hundred cap players, including your brother. Yeah, and it's something, I mean, other than probably Tierney, who's been so unfortunate with injuries, um, you look at the squad every time it comes out, you look at the, the team sheet over the last two or three years, it's been so consistent. Those same guys, I mean, you're well aware. I mean, these guys that play, they're playing three games a week. You, you know that they're not 100%. You know they're coming to play for Scotland, maybe carrying knocks, maybe taking painkillers, ibuprofen. <laughs> before the games to, to get through them but they, I mean they, they've got a special bond as a group I think that's important to say I mean they love meeting up they love uh, I think as I said before James Morrison one of the biggest things he he took from his introduction as the first team coach was just the atmosphere around the place um, he was part of a, a Scotland squad that he said no negativity about it he says we all got on great he says but we'd come down we'd eat we'd all go back up to our rooms he said this group are just desperate to be together and it's such a positive thing and I think um, I mean Barry said that you've played in loads of teams where you're set up to be 4-5-1 everyone your own half but to do it for a manager to, to block every pass to chase every runner to make they have a belief in them that they can make them win those games and I think that's why I mean we a few years ago we were disappointed to be picking the bones that are losing to Slovenia mm-hmm. and thinking where do we go from here we're nitpicking over yeah Losing it to Spain in Spain, a team that's not lost a home qualifier since 2003. Um, so we, we've come such a long way under a man that, as I said, the players have got total belief in. Talking so, about ibuprofen, Barry, I was just going to ask you about your knee. How are you feeling? A yeah, couple of days after your operation? Yeah, it was just glad to get it done, Rob. I'm, I was frustrated, just couldn't <sighs> run and, and do what I wanted to do. Um, so I had to go in and get it um, shaved off a bit and and hopefully four to six weeks so I'll be back running and, and playing fives and how are the drugs? they're good <laughs> <laughs> the last 48 hours has been fun um, I haven't seen you smiling as much actually in a yeah, while to be honest yeah I've been really chilled out so <laughs> it was good uh, watching the game like, I had to watch the, the highlights because um, I, I forgot some of the the stuff that went on um, last night but one thing I, I will say just think about since Stevie Clarks took over you very very rarely see a call off no whether uh, if it's a serious injury like a Kieran Tierney or, or whatever but I look at that squad and I don't see anybody they all want to be there don't yeah. they and when you're watching them in their pressers yeah they, they, they just look happy and they just looks a real good a real togetherness and see when you've got that you're halfway mm. there and you, you add the quality that we've got it's a, it's a brilliant mix to have what I'm really surprised about is that in the last four years or however long it's been since TV Clark took over, there's been little or no mention of club job offers. There mm. must be some club chairman around the UK, maybe around Europe, looking at what's the transformation in Scotland. Mm. Uh, would you you'd be surprised, wouldn't you, if there were other clubs yeah, interested I, in Stevie Clark? Yeah, I, I think he would have been offered jobs, but I, I just think he looks in a good place as well. I think mm-hmm. he's enjoying it. I'm not, I'm not wishing him out of the job, mm-hmm. but I just think, you know, when somebody does well, mm-hmm. other clubs look on enviously. Yeah, but I, I just, uh, listen, first and foremost, you just need to look at your CV, Rob, where mm-hmm. he's been and where he's coached and where he's managed. Uh, and the turnaround and 
in the Scotland team's been phenomenal. Um, so that that that's uh, that goes the credit. Sorry, goes to the manager, his coaching staff, but also you've got to give the players credit as well because they've got to tune into it and they've got to buy into what mm. the manager obviously uh, puts across. And certainly they've they've done that. But for me, listen, I hope he's he's here to stay for a lot more years yet. I'd be shocked if he hasn't been offered jobs. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's so content. I think sometimes we obviously we we've not heard them being offered jobs because he's not wanting away. Mm-hmm. The agents maybe said there's so and so want you to come in. He said not that one, but maybe the next one. So he leaks. The agent maybe leaks. Yeah. They want Steve Clark as manager. He's so content in the job. He's looking to long term. I even think not picking Ben Doak is partly to do with him being the Scotland manager for the next two or three campaigns because he's looking into the future and saying no it'd be pretty selfish to, to use him too early I'll use him he's important for me a couple of campaigns down the, down the line so it's a good position because there's nothing worse I mean if Steve Clark was to go and take a club job where do we go next mm. Who, who's out there to, to take the reins and try and try and follow on from Steve Clark and, and what he's did for us so I think it's a brilliant thing and as I said I'd be shocked if he hasn't had numerous offers Yeah, I mean thankfully it's not something uh, we have to contemplate and you do wonder don't you uh, with another four years of Stevie Clark where we might be at that stage Yeah and, uh, and again as I said that the beauty of this squad is Rob they can go on for the next four or six years and they'll gain experience you, you made another good point about the caps yeah. that these guys are at um, at this moment in time and and learning caps and playing games, that just grows your experience. Um, and then when the young players come in, they can lend their experience onto, onto the younger players. I, I just think we're in a really good place mm-hmm. at this moment in time. And, and it's brilliant that we're, we're disappointed and we're not happy with our refereeing decision and oh, we get beat 2 nothing for Spain. You take us back four or five years ago. We, we were struggling against most nations. Um, and now we're starting to qualify. And... Listen, it's, as I said, I just really enjoy sitting down with my cup of tea, watching Scotland. Cup of tea? And knowing, well, sometimes a glass of wine. And knowing that we've got a real good opportunity winning a football game. Yep, absolutely. Um, the, the future is, is looking uh, bright uh, under uh, Stevie Clark. And uh, here he was talking uh, last night um, about Scotland facing up to top opposition. But we came here to show that we were a good team. And I think tonight we showed we're a good team. Spain know we're a good team. So tonight was my first chance to qualify. It's, it's gone beyond us. Maybe the result on Sunday night goes in our favour and we, we can qualify from that. But we don't qualify because of that result. We qualify because of the work we've done to have five points. Uh, sorry, have 15 points from six games. That's why we'll qualify if, it, if the result goes our way at the weekend. If it doesn't go our way and Norway win, then we have a very realistic chance of the two games in November to win the section. And he and that's does. What we'll focus on. Yeah, absolutely. He does sound. Uh, he doesn't like people interrupting him either. Um, he does sound really happy uh, in the job, and he, and he just wants to make uh, not just the Germany finals, but he wants to make this a happy habit for Scotland again. That that we just expect to be, yep. as Barry said, there every couple of years. And and what a satisfying night it will be for him Sunday. I'm like Barry. I think Spain will do the business, and Steve Clark can reflect on qualifying with two games to spare, winning five out of six, and only dropping points away to the number one seed in the group so uh, yeah as I say I think we'll get the job done on Sunday night and start to think about Germany So is he going to be watching? I don't know I don't know to be honest the lads will decide some some might want to watch it some might not want to watch it I'll watch it 
because we play Norway next month, so I have to watch the game because I'm going to analyse Norway, same as I'll sit down on Friday night and I'll watch Netherlands against France because we play France on Tuesday night and friendly. So that's my job, so I'll watch it. I don't get the feeling he rests up much between games. The minute one's over, he's on to the next one, Barry, isn't he? Yeah, that, that's the vibe you get. As soon as that game um, finished last night, he'd done his interviews, his focus would have been on the, the France game, even if it's a friendly, but that, that's what top managers do. And listen, 100% every single Scotland player will be watching that game on Sunday. Yeah, of course. Uh, and he's and he very he was very quick there to uh, to make the point that, that although this this could qualification could be clinched in Oslo. This is nothing to do with Oslo. This is to do with the the five wins on the bounce and and the the sort of form that that Scotland have shown, not just in this qualification campaign, but previous ones as well. It's a great run of form, Stephen. Yeah, and soured slightly in terms of uh, the last result being a defeat. But as I said, five wins from six, just sensational stuff. And it would have been lovely to clinch it ourselves but who cares um, just get the job done in Sunday so what's your scoreline in Oslo 3-1 to Spain Barry I'll go 2-1 Spain 2-1 Spain um, it could all be done on Sunday night the champagne is on ice thanks a lot to Stephen thanks to Barry Cheers, as well and thanks to you for listening have a great weekend the Go Radio Football Show with Global Eco Energy. Design your bespoke solar PV system and meet your energy needs with no upfront costs. Let's go! Global Eco Energy sell and install renewable energy products to domestic, commercial and public sector customers. With access to a wide range of renewable energy products, including solar PV, battery storage, air source heat pumps and eco garden makeovers, we offer a bespoke service tailored to your exact needs. For a free quote and to find out more about grants and funding options, go to global-eco.co.uk.